for our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Yes, we're talking Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, hello to you. Hello, Sarah. Dr Paul McCarthy, welcome back. Thank you very much, Sarah. Now, Cheryl, you normally give a clue to your topic with your brooch. I'm looking across the desk today, and you've got a blinged-up pup, uh, and it looks like he's got a little shopping bag or handbag. Is he going shopping? Going shopping for some of his favourite things today, and we're going to be talking about them. Peanut butter, yoghurt, toothpaste. Oh, mm. hang on. I wasn't going to put that on the list of favourite things. <laughs> I was going to say chicken next. Yeah, that'd be on my list. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, Paul, what are we discussing later on today? So, so this week, my cat I diagnosed with hypothyroidism. So we're going to talk about <gasps> hypothyroidism in cats. Now, Cheryl, uh, we were talking about foods that are good for our pets or aren't good because I don't know where peanut butter sits. I thought it was okay. Okay. So we're going to be talking about a, an ingredient that is in some um, peanut butter and it's called xylitol. Now xylitol is really toxic to dogs. It's particularly dangerous in food that they can eat. Now one of the products that you find it in is in peanut butter and often people put um, peanut butter onto Kongs or they smear it over items to keep their dog busy to stop them barking and things like this. So dogs like to eat peanut butter and if you one of the things that I'm really urging people to do if they are using peanut butter to make sure that they read the ingredients that are in the peanut butter and if it has xylitol listed there you need to make sure that you don't give it to your dog now sometimes xylitol is um, not written on the ingredients it can be one of the numbers you know how these food manufacturers get around different things oh so you need to be looking for number nine six seven so cheryl i know you you don't want to go naming brands but are some of the bigger brands prone to having this in them Um, We're pretty lucky in Australia. A lot of peanut butter is quite natural and there's not a lot of added ingredients. But one of our problems is coming because of our weight consciousness. A lot of people are reading labels to make sure the sugar is lower so that um, manufacturers are trying to get the sugar down so that you buy their product. What happens by um, putting the sugar alcohol, which is xylitol, into the products, they can reduce the amount of sugar on the label. So people Uh. are saying, this is a really good product. It's got less sugar, so I'm going to lose, you know, the calories aren't going to be put on. So a lot of different manufacturers are changing the way that they um, make their products. And instead of using natural sugars, they're using artificial sweeteners. And this is what xylitol is. Okay. And so it's actually often listed as sugar alcohol as well. So for people out there who are looking for the number as well, a lot of these brands and things will have sugar alcohol, particularly okay. things like, like chewing gum. Yeah. Um, and that and number again was pastries. 967. Yeah, right? but yep. also look for sugar alcohol. Sugar alcohol. I think it's often more commonly used in this country as sugar do alcohol. Do what I do, buy full fat. Yeah, you know, yeah. I always, fat, think it's, sugar. Yeah, yeah. I always think it's better. Yeah. So how it's actually derived, it comes from birch trees, sometimes corn cobs and even fruit. So we always think these things are pretty natural, but they can have a devastating effect on the dog. And Paul, what actually happens when they eat say peanut butter or yogurt yeah so if it does have xylitol in it it causes seizures so it affects function of liver and affects function of nerves um and and sadly can put animals into a coma-like state um as quickly as within 24 hours Mm. so is this um does it build up in the system or could it happen off just one one so it's taken into the bloodstream really quickly that's right yes so it's it's not so much that you have an accumulation over time it's more that you have a large dose of it at one Oh, okay. And I was reading that xylitol is actually about 100 times more toxic 
to dogs than um, milk chocolate? Yeah, so it causes a massive release of insulin. So what happens is the insulin that um, we have in our body is there to draw glucose, glucose from our blood and supply our cells. Now, um, insulin and our glucose are kept in very... Um, precise levels so that you have just enough glucose and not too much and not too little. Mm -hmm. Now, if the insulin takes all of the glucose out of your blood and deposits it into the cells, your brain has none left to use. And so your brain then suddenly has a hypoglycemic um, attack and that's what causes the seizures and the neurological disease. Oh, so it's about insulin nice. release and that's, that's what you were talking about um, often in sort of diets that have uh, low-fat type um, recipes to them. Mm. It's about that insulin that's what's causing the problem in dogs. And you've mentioned it, and obviously that's why yoghurt's a big one to look at because there's obviously so many um, low-fat, right. low-sugar yeah, yeah, but it's found in so many other things as well. And um, I mean, it's Oral Health Day today, but it's actually it found in a lot of um, toothpaste. So toothpaste that's used for sweetening in toothpaste. It's used in mouth uh, mouth rinse. It's used in dental floss. But the interesting thing about it, used um, from dentist's point of view, is that it actually increases the amount of saliva that we produce. So that helps to fight dental caries. Oh, so it's that's why it's in chewing gum. Yeah. So it's rather interesting. So these people that are, you know, orthodontists will often say, you know. Know, grab some chewing gum, the sugar-free chewing gum, because they're wanting to increase the amount of saliva yep. in, in their patient's mouth. But with the dog, if we were to clean the dog's teeth, say with our, you know, our toothpaste, we're running a risk of, of poisoning because of the xylitol. So that's why there. you always say buy dog toothpaste. Correct. I've always right. wondered yeah. about that. Yep, that's yeah. right. And the other thing, Sarah, you know, do you feed your children those multivitamins, the gummy vitamins? Yeah. It's in those Sembicol too. Ones. Yeah. Oh. It's in those. It's in a lot of a lot of other pharmaceutical products as well. And Gizzy does like a sniff of those. I've seen him. I've mm. had to shoo him away when we've dropped one on the floor. Oh, yep. okay. Even baked products. So so often things that are made as pastries contain that as well. Um, again, for the, for the sweetening aspect that it provides. Have you seen the effects of this? Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is a great one because great in the respect that we've not discussed it as I can recall on the show before. Oh, I try um, to come up with something different. Yeah, Sarah. well, I thought by now doing it each week uh, with such experts as yourselves, I would know <laughs> every. Oh. I feel like an expert myself, <laughs> but I didn't know about yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, it's actually a very unusual one in that you have to have a, a fair bit of it to make a large difference. Um, but for small dogs, that's, that, that large bit can actually be a, you know, a very small volume like of food by comparison. Like a chihuahua right. And so the dogs I have seen it in have been small breeds. Mm -hmm. um, and actually the, the two that I've seen them in, in, in most recently were people who were preparing foods. Um, and the oh. dog went into the ingredients, so they were able to have a much more concentrated dose. Right. Um, we were able to save one, but we weren't able to save the other one, so, sadly. So it, it can sadly be a fatal condition. Yeah, okay. Mm. Even um, I was thinking about um, candy. A lot of candy has it, and one of the ones that has it, yeah, you know the little candy canes you get at yep. Christmas time? Oh, yep. That is really heavily laden with xylitol. Yep. That is a really good one for families because obviously that's one that a lot of families have and dogs are attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Well, people yeah. hang them on their tree. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so you always encourage people not to hang, hang oh. you know, hang any of those candle, candy canes on your tree because, you know, dogs can get access to those. Yeah. Wow. Again, they've got a few of those to make a difference, but, you know, happen. the right... Yeah, exactly, better to avoid the, the problem completely. Yeah. yeah. So no muffins, you know, none of those yeah. bad goods for your dogs. <laughs> yeah. This is really important, but please read the labels. Make sure that you're not giving your dog anything with xylitol in it. And there are lots of peanut butters in this country that are safe to use. Yes. So okay. please don't feel that you've, if you've been feeding peanut butter that you've done all the wrong things. Just double-check um, Just double-check your label. So looking for xylitol, sugar alcohol or 
967. Yeah. Oh, sometimes it even has an E before it. And there's a few other things. Sometimes xylitol is spelt differently as well, not the, the true spelling of xylitol. It has a few different ways that it's spelt. Sometimes ah, with an okay. I, sometimes Perhaps with a from Y. The country of origin. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Let's go to Anne from Curry. You've got a question for Dr. Paul McCarthy about your rabbit. I guess we've got a rabbit who's about two. We feed him on the really good rabbit food and good treats and eating hay, but he's got a bit of diarrhoea. Okay. I've been told that we should give him um, fresh fruit and vegetables. Yeah, so I'm going to perhaps detour that a little bit. So um, the most important thing for rabbits is fibre. Now, most fibre is going to come from your hay, and the hay ideally needs to be at least 80% of what's going into your rabbit. So as a proportion, how much are you giving of your rabbit mix versus your rabbit hay? We're giving him more hay than what we are giving him pellets. Yeah, so w would it be up to 80% of the total intake? Oh, yeah, uh, about 70. Yeah. So what I would suggest for, for all rabbits, generally it's about... M most most issues for diarrhoea are we just have more energy going into the rabbit from um, um, mixes and and rabbit um, rabbit mixes than we have fibre going in. So I would certainly think the first thing would be is to make sure that you're giving much less of your rabbit mix and much more of your hay. Um Vegetables are okay. Um, be careful about how many sort of carrots and the high sucrose ones you're giving because rabbits can develop obesity. But um, I would take your fruits away. Um, right. Sadly, they'll generally fuel diarrhoea. Um, so you're far better to, to initially have a lots and lots of hay and make that the bulk of a diet. So rab rabbit mixes, depending upon the, the brand you're using, um, sometimes have a lot of really high-energy, um, yummy things that rabbits love to eat but um, are a bit like having potato chips. They taste great, but they don't do a lot for the gastrointestinal tract. Um, rabbits really need to have fibre, and so, and so the hay is, should be the bulk of their intake. And then he also has rabbit treats and rabbit baths. Yeah, so I'm going to suggest take them all out for the moment. Um, focus on getting lots of fibre in, so just focus on that hay first up. And then once the diarrhoea resolves, then you could look at reintroducing some of those other treats. But at this stage, the most important is you don't want to fuel that diarrhoea by putting too much rich food into the, into the mix. It's not a lot of diarrhoea, but what we've noticed, when we've backed off the hay a bit and we give him some grass, he's a bit better. Yes, because what you're doing is you're giving fibre. So you want to do lots and lots of fibre. So it, it's about trying to give less of your rabbit mix and more of your fibre. All right, thank you so much for that call, Anne. At least it sounds like an easy um, fix, which is there always reassuring. Other, uh, correct. There can be other conditions causing diarrhoea, but certainly 95% of rabbit diarrhoea is diet-related. Let's go to Diane now in Shortland. Diane, you've got a comment about yoghurt. Yeah, I just want to let people know you can actually buy doggy yogurt from Woolworths. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, where they sell the, um, you know, the, the meats, the wet meats and things in Woolworths. Yeah. Um, they actually, they do sell doggy yogurt. And are the flavourings like ours or is it more like, um, oh, you know, no, bone marrow flavoured? 
No, no, it's just plain old vanilla flavour. Oh, there you go. I didn't <laughs> know that. Good to know. Do dogs yeah, like yogurt? Dogs love oh, yogurt, love but, but the issue we often have is too much yogurt. Is, yeah, too much yogurt. Yeah, yeah. you need to be very it's cautious more. about the volumes you're feeding. Okay. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's just more like a little treat, like if you're having ice cream. I'm um, going to buy Gizzy yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, do it, and as of all new foods, always gradually introduce those. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. like that yeah. rabbit, you'll have diarrhoea. Okay, <laughs> all right. Oh, well, thanks for letting us know, Diane. That's very <laughs> exciting. That's all right. <laughs> I, can see, I can see Dr. Paul looking at me going, oh, no, people like Sarah are going to go out and fill the bowl full of yogurt. Yeah, and, it's and then they'll all me. ring the next day going, why is there so much diarrhoea, Dr. Paul? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you do have to obviously be careful. And I guess if you've got the right sort of diet for your Correct, pets, you don't yeah. want to muck with it too much. That is. Do, but certainly yogurt can be treats? quite handy for medicating. So yeah. do you need to try and medicate, often crushing a tablet up and mixing it through some low-fat um, yellow yogurt? or in this case the dog-based yoghurt, that's a handy treat to try and mask the taste of the tablet in the yoghurt. Are dogs like us where we crave treats? Like, I mean, do Dogs they... have a sweet tooth, yeah, oh. so dogs will certainly choose a sweet food over another food. Um, cats have a more protein base, so they prefer a, a, a protein-based flavour rather than a sweet flavour. Okay. Rabbits have a sweet tooth, so rabbits will take sweet things over sour things. Because I was reading as you age, the reason why a lot of our older generation, and I'm thinking about Aunty Betty here, uh, she used to love sweet food, and mm. they say that that's one of the last tastes to leave you is the, the, oh, the okay. sweet taste. So yeah. I wonder if dogs have more of that. I yeah, think so I've got more of that. We have, if there are certain <laughs> taste buds, that are based on different taste flavours yeah. and their po- population of taste buds in all mammals is variable and so there will be different drives for different food tastes. Very mm. interesting. Kath from Madawi, you've got a question about your fox terrier. Yes, he's, uh, he's got a, a bladder problem. Um, I make him go to the toilet before we all settle down in the evening and then, but he still wakes up and his bed's all wet, like he leaks through the, through the night apparently. So, so an incontinence, Kath? Yes, okay. yes, seems to be. Yeah. How, how old is he? He's about, uh, about 11. All right, and has he been desexed? Yes. Okay, What was he desexed as a young puppy? Or? Yeah, I believe so, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, he was my neighbour's dog. I've, I've sort of inherited him, and uh, they said they got him when, on their 40th birthday. Well, they've turned 50 last year, so he's, going, okay. he's 11 going on 12, yep. And so he was desexed probably about at about 18 months old, I think. All right, so certainly... Yep. Urine incontinence in dogs can differ from females to males. So mm-hmm. um, usually in females, it's related to often a lack of hormone post-desexing, right. but that's less so in male dogs. I, I would think this might be a good one to have your, your um, vet have a look at right. um, in that it can be related to prostatic disease. So dogs right. who develop prostate disease um, can have urine incontinence. Okay. It can be also related to dogs who are losing some nerve function. So mm-hmm. spinal, spinal disease or spinal inflammation Inflammation can affect mm. that, um, as well as there can sadly also be masses that can grow in the bladder that will mean that the, the bladder sort of sphincter muscle, so to speak, yeah. can't close and quite him, I think I do believe he's lost a little bit of weight. I mean, he was never a fat dog. He was always very, very trim. Mm. But he just seems to be a little bit less yeah, uh, Kath, I body think this weight. Yeah, a good yeah. one to see, see your local vet about because I, yeah, I, okay. I would like to just sort of say this will be a nothing. I think this might be worth investigating. Mm. Okay, then. Good luck, Kath. Oh, good luck yeah. with it, okay, well, thank, yeah. no, well, thank you for that. At least it's given me somewhere to, some direction. Terrific. Absolutely. Thank you very much, then. And we're thinking of you and your little foxy. Uh, we're going to go now to Rodney. Now, Rodney's in Ellamore Vale. You've got a question. We're talk- we've been talking food and our pets, and you're asking about chicken bones and cheese. Yes, that's right. Not for you, though, for your dog. 
Well, the dog, yes. Okay. Um, okay, I feed my dog. I've got a sappy female. I've got a miniature long hair two hour. And I've got a, and I've got a Maltese cross shih tzu. Right? Now, mm-hmm. I feed them cooked chicken bones. Mm. And I... Yes, and we'll start with that one. <laughs> now, I've been, the, 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 um, the Maltese is seven-year-old. The Chihuahua is probably two-year-old. And the stuff is six. Mm-hmm. And they've been eating chicken bones all their lives. Yes, so um, chicken bones as a raw entity are far easier to digest than they are if they're cooked. So it's about your dog's ability to digest the chicken bone once it's been cooked. And and sadly, lots of dogs don't do that very well. Um, what often happens when a chicken bone is cooked is that the pieces become brittle. Um, and it's not often even just the digestion that's the hard part. It's actually passing the, the brittle pieces after the bone's been ingested. And we, what, we do sadly see constipation. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. And it's more about the fact that often those bony pieces are just hard to pass. So in the feces, when you when you do your pooper scooping, are you finding pieces of a chicken bone in them or are the pieces being broken down completely? No, they're broken down completely, but they're... And, and they eat a lot of kibble, so obviously it's it's a hard... A hard Who, you know? Yeah, yeah. So certainly chick- we, we tend to recommend that if you're going to give a bone, all bones are going to be raw. Um, I personally don't give any bones large enough that the, the bone is eaten because of the fact that the marrow inside the bone is quite fatty. Um, and I'm always nervous that the number one thing I end up pulling out of dogs uh, with intestinal blockages and intestinal obstructions are bones. So just be very cooked cautious bones. about whether you're using the bones because a cooked bone doesn't break down properly. Um, yeah, right. And so it's yeah. very difficult for a dog often to digest because those well. Because the two small dogs won't eat raw bones, but they'll eat the cooked bones. Yeah, because they're easier to get through. Yeah, they taste yeah. better because the, the fat has been through them, so they have a, yummy, right. a, a yummier taste. I, I do this very cautiously, and I certainly wouldn't recommend to other clients to do that. Cheese. Cheese is a different kettle of fish. So depending on your dog's capacity to digest any of the lactose-based foods, like cheeses and milks and yogurts. Are all dogs lactose lactose intolerant? No, they're not. And so lots of dogs can eat cheese very happily. Um, And again, as we spoke before, it's just about getting doing... If you're going to introduce cheese into a diet, you do it slowly um, and you are looking for any gastrointestinal side effects from that. And Um, vomit? cheese isn't poisonous. Vomit? Your dog's will vomit, they vomit Will they vomit with eating cheese? No, not if they can cope with it. <sighs> and if they can't, they will? Correct, the... yeah. Okay, then, okay. The chihuahua, it, it could eat it all day, every day, not a problem, loves it, all right? Um, the Maltese, the shit or whatever, shit tease, is a... Um, is, yeah, he can't tolerate it. He yeah, has one so certainly all, all animals similar to people can have dietary indiscretion. Um, some people can handle things, some can't. Happens with dogs as well. All right, let's go to Debbie now from East Maitland. You've got a question about your cat, Debbie. Uh, yes, hi, how are you? Well, thank you. That's good. Um, I have a 12-year-old and he's just been diagnosed either with inflammatory bowel disease or lymphoma. Okay. Um. Yeah, he's not doing very well. He's lost his all skin and bones now, but he's still very bright and alert. Um, he vomits all the time, mm. and he has diarrhoea all the time. Sure. I've just I've tried different 
things to feed him and whatever, but, you know... Um, so was the diagnosis made by a biopsy, Debbie? Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, so normally the, the biopsy would be able to tell you which of the two you've got. So did they... Was it done as a surgical biopsy? Uh, yeah, but it was too close. Apparently, I don't know, there was something that happened that they weren't too sure which one it was, but... Um, the vet thinks it's more the um, lymphoma. Okay, and but so have you? Have they started some medication for you? They gave him prednisone, mm-hmm. and he's been in and out of hospital a few times, and um, drips and stuff like that, um, and for sickness and stuff. But there's nothing more they said they can do for him. But I just hoping there's something that can be done because I've raised him from a kitten and he sort of sleeps in my arm and he's very vocal. He talks, puts his head back and talks to me all the time. Yeah, sure, Debbie. So, look, I think there's a couple of points here. Certainly, uh, I empathise with you. Cats with cancer or um, with inflammatory bowel disease, uh, they're very different treatment pathways. Um, Prednisolone is being used... Um, in the inflammatory bowel disease to try and suppress the inflammatory response to try and help with the diarrhea and and control yeah. the overreaction if you're not seeing benefit from that though it, it no. sadly may mean that it's more likely lymphoma is the case um, yeah. and, and there are chemotherapy options for cats with lymphoma so certainly talking to your veterinarian about what we can do for the a chemotherapy protocol for your cat is certainly a thing you could look at in that, and that lots of kin, intestinal lymphoma can respond very nicely to chemotherapy so there are some alternatives out there for you oh okay like is that very like invasive though for you no no the chemotherapy that there are different protocols you can use for lymphoma some involve injections but there are some that are just oral medications you give Oh, but have, okay. a, have a chat to your local veterinarian. There, there are some really good protocols out there now for lymphoma in cats, um, and lots of cats do very well on these medications. And we're wishing you all the best, Debbie. We can yeah, hear the luck, pain Debbie. in your voice, and we know what it's like when we've got a, a yeah, sick pet. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. We're going to go now to Lynn in Cameron Park. You've got a couple of questions. You've got a cat and a dog. Oh, well, I've got three Himalayan Persians, um, and I've had, per- I've had Persian cats for 45 years, but um, I've just re- like recently, 14 months ago, um, got a rescue dog, and she's um, reached back cross. She's 35 kilos, and she will eat everything. So um, I'm gathering no garlic and no cheese, and she eats... And no onion, no celery, no lettuce. But she will eat every vegetable under the sun. She will eat raw tomato, raw apple. She'll eat cooked apple. She'll eat every vegetable you could get. She will eat it. Have you got a garden? Is she out in the garden doing some gardening here? (laughs) No, no, she's actually sitting beside me. Um, But, like... um, she wants treats sometimes, and um, I've been giving her now diet puff wheat crisp breads. Okay. Um, because I'm a vegetarian, I'm also um, diabetic, and she thinks that's a marvellous treat. Terrific. And when I have a coffee, I've been giving her a 
few cups of water with a couple of glugs of skim milk. Now, is that not going to hurt her? So, again, different dogs have different tolerances to different milk products. It's, it's a really, uh, yeah, so the only way you'll know is, well, she'll tell you because the stools will become quite loose and mucousy. Um, uh, often they'll have what's called colitis, which is where the stools will, will form with a mucus, almost gel um, casing around the stool. That's the most no. common reaction. But if you're not seeing any, it means that her gastrointestinal tract is digesting it well. So I guess if we talk about milk generally, so when we're weaned, um, most animals in the wild never have ac- access to milk again. No. So, so most gastrointestinal tracts and the microbiome, which is all the sort of bacteria that live in that, in that gut to help keep you healthy, are not usually designed to deal with milk. Now, if you do feed a food for in, a, in a way that's um, gradually introduced and over time well, well accepted, your microbiome changes, so you will be actually able to handle those foods better. Um, but the only way to necessarily know that is that you can try the, the, the food out. And with milk, it's always just good if you're going to do milk. It, they don't need it. Um, it it's, they don't need it for calcium. They don't need it for anything else no, like that. I it know. is just for flavour. But if you wish to do it, just do it very diluted, and if your dog copes, great. If your dog develops diarrhoea, take it out of your diet. Hello, Noel, you're in Thornton. And I think, can you take us off hands-free, please? You've got a question about your dog. Yeah, is that better? Much better, thank you. Uh, no. Um, yes, yeah, okay. better. Yeah, there you go. Um, the, it was talking about uh, incontinence in female dogs has just been recently desexed. Um, we have one that's just had that same problem, and she's just leaking a little bit. I just wonder if I get a follow-up on that. Yeah, sure. So if how, how long ago was she desexed, Noel? Uh, 12 months ago. Yeah, so if it's greater than a couple of weeks, it means that what may have happened is that the basal hormone level, when she's um, resting or after exercise and is deeply asleep, isn't, uh, isn't high enough to keep the bladder closed when she's not consciously controlling her bladder. So I assume the incontinence is only when she's been asleep? Uh, no, not all the time. Sometimes just she'll just stand there and it'll happen. Yeah, she's she's, if she's dog, leaking consciously, that's a different kettle of fish. That one I would have a chat to your local vet about. There may be some inflama- inflammation in the vulva or the vaginal area, which can cause her to feel uncomfortable and, and, and make her leak. Um, but but um, hormonally responsive urine incontinence, which is what we, were, we see more commonly, um, can be corrected by using hormonal supplementation. Um, the medications you can give often on a, a weekly or even uh, often a longer-term basis um, to help su- suppress that, keep that muscle tight when she's sleeping. But if it's happening when she's conscious, that's not related to hormones generally that that's a different story so that might be worth investigating but if it's incontinence related to i'm i'm asleep and i can't consciously keep my bladder closed that will often respond very well to medication okay then thanks very much for your help no problems at all thanks for your call noel look uh, we've got a free line again and we do have a couple of minutes left if you want to get in quickly with one last question four nine two one six two one six now we normally do our pet of the week mm-hmm. uh we normally focus on dogs but we we hate any animal and we're doing a cat today now this is uh for a lady that works here our, our sales manager kath she's got a, a cat that sadly she has to part with kath Aww. her situation has changed and and 
Mim has got to go to a great home. So, look, we've got Mim. We're going to get a photo up on 2NURFM.com. But Mim is six years old. She was purchased from a registered breeder in Madawi. She's a British short hair, so she's grey with white markings. Um, I have met Mim. She is absolutely gorgeous. Now, very affectionate. So she probably would be suited to someone who's home more often than not. Having said that, uh, at the moment, she's home during the day on her own, and she's okay with that. But she's a beautiful cat, uh, not vicious at all, Love snuggles and cuddles so if you are interested uh, in giving Mim a great home then please give us a call and ask to speak to Kath Coleman 49216 216 or 49215555 they're we- lovely cats pretty short oh. hair they're big round sort of tennis ball squishy hair oh they're, they're, so, they're so pretty, pretty yeah. and they're big eyes I've met Mim a few times and she is one of those cats and I've openly said I'm not normally a cat person but I love Mim she's one of those cats where you're like oh I just want to squeeze you you and keep you. And it's interesting, they're, they're the breeder they often think is, is more dog-like, if you're going to sort of compare uh, the two. Makes the British sense. Short hair. Yeah. yeah, makes sense why I like them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 49216216, I think we've got another call here for Pet Chat. Hello, can we grab your name in suburb? Yeah, I'm uh, John from Fern Bay. And uh, John, can we help you today from Fern Bay? You've got a foxy and um, the foxy has some warts on the body. Yes. I was just wondering if it's possible to have them burned off or if it requires surgery. Okay, so it depends initially if they are warts. So um, in dogs, I think we, we tend to not have warts. We have things like papillomas or sebaceous cysts. So it depends really on what they actually are and how deeply attached they are to the skin. Um, you can certainly have them cauterised. So you can cauterise lots of very superficial lumps very easily. Um, that can be done either with local um, or with a full anaesthetic, often easier with a full anaesthetic because you can then do that without the dog having any movement while you're doing those things. Um, if they're deeply a deeper attachment to the skin, then they're not able to be cauterised. So when you say burn off the the term is cauterizing um, and if they're too deep that they're actually deeper than the epidermis then sadly you can't just cauterize those off they do require a surgical excision because you're going to go deeper than what the burn can do safely i see okay so it's a visit to the local vet yeah have your local vet check them out first and often they can do what's called a fine needle aspirate which is where they place a small needle into the lump put it onto a slide and stain it and that stain will often tell you whether the cells are benign, they are just parts of the skin that can be removed easily or if they, yeah. or if they are more involved such as a, a mass or a, a tumour that would need a deeper excision. Good. Thanks very much for your help. No problems at all. Good luck. Paul, just on that, um, my dog with age has got, you know the ones that sort of look like the little mushroom? Yeah, so basically adenomas. Okay. So he's got quite a big one on the back of his neck and it doesn't seem to ever bother him. But having said that, every now and then there might be a little bit of dried blood where the tops... Should I be getting rid of that? Yeah, so it is one of those ones where it comes down to how much it affects the dog. Okay. It will continue to grow. Right. Um, but they tend to grow very slowly. And what actually happens with those, they sort of um, flake away. Pieces sort of yeah, break off yes, those. Yes, that seems um, to be what Often it's happens. when you're sort of grooming them or they're scratching and they take the top off those. Um, they're, not, they're not malignant. They're not going to spread to other areas. They're, they're not in themselves cancerous um, in, that, in that regard. 
and so it really depends if they're growing small and they're in an area where they don't knock them very commonly. Yeah, they, they can be it. left. Um, yeah, if okay. they are starting to bleed more commonly, sometimes they will become secondary infected, right. and that, that can mean they need to be removed. Okay. But um, the, the general thing we tend to do with those is we watch initially. Um, if you're having an anaesthetic for another reason, certainly remove them yeah, when you do can. Yeah, do it while you're there. But I tend to only suggest going to have an anaesthetic and remove those if they're really starting to bother the dog. Okay, yeah. so one to keep an eye on. I keep just, an eye on. Fortunately, know, not going to be, be a painful cancerous mass. Um, but if they do get to say where they're bleeding often then certainly it's a good idea to have those removed surgically. Okay, that is a really good one. Uh, now, look, we were going to have a chat about thyroid. We did, uh, but... We only have a minute left, so <laughs> um, we'll obviously discuss it next week. Sounds but I guess you plan. can give us a couple of the, the hot, like the pinpoints that we do need to think about and we can have our deeper discussion sure. when we're here so next. So if you've got an older cat who is ravenously hungry but losing weight... One of the common things we see for that is that that cat actually has thyroid disease. Right. And they have what's called hypothyroidism, which is too much thyroid hormone. Now, if you have a big, fat, lazy dog who's getting bigger, fatter and lazier, it may not be just diet-related. It may be that his thyroid is underactive. In the ah. dogs tend to get a condition called hypothyroidism, which is where they don't have enough thyroid hormone. So if you've got a skinny, skinny cat or a big, fat dog, they're often things that have you vet checked for because they can both be treated. And it comes with age as well? Seems to be an older animal? Certainly older cats, but actually thyroid disease in dogs is often more breed-associated, so it can happen at any age. Okay. But certainly some breeds are much more likely to develop than others. Um, Rhodesian Ridgebacks, as that gentleman before, um, they can often be one of those breeds we see in quite commonly. Beautiful. That's it for Pet Chat. Cheryl Shaw, Dr Paul McCarthy, thank you both so much for coming in. My pleasure. Lovely. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.